go have a great time. When, uh, when Tove said, called me and said that he had ruptured his bicep and that he's like, okay, they're telling me that I'm going to be off for 12 weeks. And I'm immediately thinking like, okay, uh, how do you play a guitar with a ruptured bicep? <laughs> and uh, I don't think he missed a single week. He was able to, to continue playing through all the different stages. He just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the doctor was originally saying, you can't do anything for 12 weeks. And he was doing things on week one. Because as doctors may know some things, they don't know everything. And uh, Jesus, the healer, knows how to get your body moving. Amen? So, Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time where we can open your word, that we can just listen from you. We can draw on the Holy Spirit. And we just thank you, Father, for revelation insight this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome to all you that are watching via the internet this morning. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us. We know that some of the regions down by the St. Lawrence have definitely gotten a lot more snow than we did. And I'm just saying, thank God we don't live in Buffalo right now because in Buffalo they got snow taller than me. And so that's a lot of snow to shovel and snow blow and everything like that. And so thank God that that's not, didn't happen here. You know, it seemed like we took that sharp turn into winter. But in every season, God is good, right? Yes. And so we're going to continue on this morning in our mini-series that we started three weeks ago on Beware the Snare. And we've been talking about how the enemy likes to put out little things that try to trap us and hold us. And when, when we, we're passing them by, we almost think, oh, that's not that important. That's not very significant. But there's certain things that when they come up in our lives that you don't have to put up with. They don't have to be something that holds you back. It doesn't have to be something that slows you down. You can keep going on, as the Bible says, from glory to glory. And so as much as the enemy may try and slip you up, he doesn't have to be successful in that because we can be wise by the Holy Spirit and we can step around every obstacle that he may try to, try to put before us. And as the Bible says, every weapon that he meant for harm, God will turn around for good. Amen? And so we were talking about Beware the Snare, and I hope you guys enjoyed Brother Keith's message last week as he was preaching out of Acts chapter 9, talking about uh, the healing of Aeneas, where Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole, so get up and make your bed. And he was talking about the significance of the make your bed part. Aeneas had been paralyzed and on that bed for eight years. And as Brother Keith had explained to us, when you're in a situation for a long period of time, you begin to adapt to certain things, and you get used to living a certain way. And on that day, when he had that meeting with Peter, and the, met, was met with the power of God, something needed to change for him. He came that day on that bed, and he was going home with that bed on him. And so what Father Keith was reminding us is that it's very easy for, for things that God has delivered us from for us to slip back into them when we let them hang around. It would have been easy for that man who'd lived on that bed for eight years to be like, oh, it's okay, I'll just go ahead and I'll, I'll lie back down. It's okay, I'll let people look after me. No, there was a point. God healed him. He was time to get up and take care of things himself. Amen? And so he was talking about things that we identify with that we have no business identifying with. When the enemy sends, sends, sends 
sickness or lack or whatever it may be your way, you don't have to receive it. You don't have to accept it. You can return it to sender and say, I'm not having it. Amen? And so there's things that come into our lives that have no business staying there. And as I look across the body of Christ, there's many, many people that are just accepting whatever the world sends their way or whatever the enemy sends their way. And that's not what you've been called to. You've been called to victory. You've been called to a life of victory and overcoming by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I was thinking about how something that the writer of Hebrews said about Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, 24, he said this. He said, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused. Say that with me. Refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And you could say, why is that a significant detail that someone writing long after the point would look back and say, this is something we need to look at. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The position that uh, Moses was in, he was living with the elites. He was living in the king's house, in the most powerful nation on earth at that time. And so he was getting to enjoy things that many others don't. He was living a life of abundance in what that nation had to offer, but that wasn't what he had been called to. What was the calling of Moses? He was called to deliver the nation of Israel from Egypt. And if he would have chose to stay in that place in the elites, in the the upper echelons of Egyptian society, you can't live in that realm while trying to deliver others from it. And so Moses, because of the calling that God had put on his life, needed to separate himself from it. And when God has called you to something, you need to let go of everything else. It's like, oh, if he wants you over here, it's like, oh, I'm going to spend some of my time over here. I'm going to do this. No, go all in. Cut the ties and jump full into what God has called you to and walk in the fullness of that. Because if you try to live in both worlds, you're going to go nowhere. We don't have one foot in the world and one foot in God. No, I'm done with the world. I may live here, but I'm a citizen of heaven. Amen? And so it says, by faith, Moses, when he came of age, he made the decision and he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And it says this, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, we have to understand, when we're talking about sin, most people automatically just equate that to bad things. But anything, the definition of sin is to miss the mark. And so whatever it is that God has asked you to do, if you choose to do something else, that has now become sin. And so for him to stay with the elites of Egypt would have been to be enjoying the pleasures of sin rather than connecting himself to what God had called him to. And John and I were having a conversation in regards to this a few weeks ago. I don't even know if he remembers. And I said to him, what is sin to one might not necessarily be sin to another. And he kind of cocked his head and looked at me like, I don't understand. And I said, "Let let me qualify that. If God has told you, go work this job and not that job, and you don't obey, that's sin to you. But someone else could very much easily be fine to go work that other job. 
It's when it comes to our walk with God, it's about walking in step with what God would have you to do and being where he wants you to be when he wants you to be there. And so just because you want to be somewhere doesn't mean that God wants you to be there. And we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Come on, listening to that still small voice on the inside when he says, this is what I need you to do. I want you to go help that person. I need you to go give this to this person. I need you to step up and do this in your family. And we say, ah, yeah, okay, Holy Spirit, I recognize that still small voice, that simple leading. Man, we have to follow after peace. And if we're following after pleasure, we often miss peace. Because just because it makes you feel good doesn't mean that it's God. Come on. What is seems right on the inside of you versus what seems wrong. If you don't know what to do, a great test to do is to say, I'm going to do this. And kind of listen on the inside. How does that feel? And then say, I'm not going to go do this. How does that feel? You know, we often miss the leading of the Holy Spirit because we're moving so fast and we're worked up in so many things. We've got our emotions involved. Come on, I didn't know we were going to be talking about this this morning, but it's important. We need to let ourselves rest for a moment and not get worked up. The world likes to go fast. It likes to be busy. The busy is often a hindrance to peace. Just because everybody else says, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, doesn't mean you do. And it's important just to stop and say, God, thank you for your direction. I thank you for your leading. That as your Holy Spirit, you said that he would lead me and guide me into all truth. That he would show me things to come. That he will bring things to my remembrance. All the things that you've said to me, God. That you will lead me in your paths of peace through your Holy Spirit. Come on, those are the words of Jesus in the book of John. I'm not just saying things for the sake of saying them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He leads you into all truth. And there may be things that the world will say, this is true, this is true, and you listen on the inside and you're like, there's nothing true about that. That's not the way. The way of God is peace. It's a peace that passes understanding, and it guards your heart and it guards your mind. And so for Moses, he knew, even before he knew, when he chose not to be associated with the upper echelons of Egypt, God hadn't even appeared to him yet. But there was something that he knew about himself that said, this is not where I need to be. Man, that would have been like the greatest life you could think to achieve at that point. We're talking about the greatest nation on the earth at that time. And he looked on the inside and said, it's not right for me. Come on. Maybe the world is saying being a Fortune 500 CEO is the best thing you could be or being whatever, whatever, a pro athlete. You need to listen on the inside and say, no, this is what he's called me. He's called me to be a teacher. He's called me to invest into the lives of children, to be, be a blessing where others have written them off and saying they'll never be anything, and you can see on the inside of them exactly what God has called them to, and you can shape them and mold them. Come on. 
then whatever you choose to do, let it be what God has called you to do. Be. He gives you the choice. And when we do the opposite of what he's called us to, you won't actually be happy in it. You may think and look and look at it and say, the grass is greener over there and I want to go there. When you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, come on, Moses had a rough time getting to where he was going, but at the end, it was more satisfying than where he began and what he chose to separate from. And so he said, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. And some would say, what Egypt had to offer was the reward. No. The satisfaction of walking the journey with God and reaching the end and God saying, thank you. You did what I asked. My people are now free. Come on. You led them out of bondage. You led them through the wilderness to the edge of the promised land to what I've called them to. When he got to heaven, you know God said, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, not because he became such a great success in the world's eyes, but he followed the path that God had for him. Amen? So there's things that the enemy will tempt us with being like, oh, wouldn't it be great to be this? And you can look at it and be like, yeah, that would be nice. But I know there's something else on the inside. I may not know the full picture of it right now, God is drawing me this direction and I need to be obedient to that first step. That, that in itself is something for us to wrap our minds around. We often like to see the whole picture but the book of uh, Psalms says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord and how do you have steps? It's one at a time. And it says that his word becomes a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And the picture that that describes is that there's darkness around, but the word will illuminate what it is that you need to see. And so we, we can take a checkup on the inside of what, what um, prominence am I giving the word in my life? Because the amount to which you look to the word, it'll become and illuminate the path before you. There'll be something that you read months ago will all of a sudden come to your remembrance today, and you'll be like, that's right. Because what? We said that the Holy Spirit brings all things to our remembrance, even the things he said to us. What has he said to us? His word is his will. And so there could be things that you are planting in your heart today that a month from now, that all of a sudden that scripture will quicken to you and hold you through that moment that you're in. It'll give you that glimmer of hope that you need. And maybe you're standing right now in a position where like, I feel like I don't have hope right where I am. There was a moment where you needed to be inputting what you needed for today, yesterday. And it's not a moment of condemnation to say, oh, I didn't do what I was supposed to. No, it's a moment of sow today, reap tomorrow. I may not have done it yesterday, but I can control today. It's kind of like the saying, when is the best time to plant an oak tree? They say 20 years ago. When's the second best time to plant an oak tree? Today. You may not have done it yesterday, but I can't control yesterday anymore. Yesterday's in the past. 
but I can hold today, I can offer it up to God and say, God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will put it in my heart. I will treasure it. I will let it be my guide. I will let it be everything that I need today. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. Your word holds higher place in my life. My goodness. Hallelujah. Well, why don't we get to our message this morning? Because we're all over the place. We've been in the last three weeks when we've been talking about beware the snare. It doesn't matter what you've been trapped in. Maybe you didn't make the right steps yesterday and you didn't make that separation that you needed. Psalm 91.3 says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And as I was meditating on that scripture this week, I thought, you know, it's been a long time since we've taken a good hard look at Psalm 91. And so I think we should do that again today. There's so much great that is in that psalm that can help us today. But first off, let's understand some things about it. It's one of the most popular psalms there is. It's probably right there behind Psalm 23, you know, uh, that he, uh, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. It, that's probably the, the most famous one. They read it at weddings, they read it at funerals. And the second most popular one would probably be Psalm 91, which we call the Psalm of Protection. And the way that this often gets treated is that it's God's guarantee of protection or his promise of protection, but that's not actually what Psalm 91 is. It's not a guarantee. I want you to understand this right from the start. It is an invitation of participation. It's an invitation for you to participate in his protection. It is not a guarantee. When I give someone an invitation to come to a party, it says, I have invited you to come. Let's have a good time together. What is now re requisite of you? You've got to show up to the party, right? And Psalm 91 is not a guarantee. It is an invitation. And there's four distinct parts of Psalm 91 that we need to look at. And it starts this way. It starts with a revelation of God, which I believe is a great place for us to start in any situation. When you're facing a situation, you always say, what has God said and what is God? And if you don't know, you can go back the last six months we've been looking at the nature and the character of God as described by his names. And we're not done that series. We'll probably come back to it in the new year and finish up the last few. But we've done basically six months on a revelation of who God is. And that's how Psalm 91 starts. David reveals something that, about God and the nature and the character of him. And then the second part is David has a declaration of his agreement with what was said. And that's so important. That's what Brother Keith was talking about last week, right? What are you agreeing with? Yeah. What, are you, what are you identifying yourself with? It's not your cancer. Man, it's, don't take possession of those things. Come on. You are the healed of the Lord. Yeah. It said that he sent his word and healed you. Yeah. It says that by his stripes you were healed past tense. And so why are you identifying with something that he has already said he dealt with? I identify with the promise that he has taken care of it. And so we don't bring ourselves into agreement with things that aren't true about you, but you better bring yourself into agreement with God, uh, with what God has actually said. The third part is then becomes an invitation 
for the reader or the listener to participate. And the fourth part, I think, is the most important. God has a response when you choose to participate. Okay, so let's look at verse number one. You ready? Let me just grab some water here. It's a little dry in here this morning. How's everybody doing? Psalm 91, verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, this is David revealing something about God. And we've been talking about the nature and the character of God. And in our English language, you almost miss that he's actually revealing some of God's character without us even knowing it. So if we look back to what it says in the Hebrew, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High is the name of God, El Elyon. It's one of his high names of God. And it def the, the definition of it basic is he is the Most High God. But it comes from the root to rise or to ascend. And when everything with God, God will always rise above, he will ascend above whatever's going on. There is nothing that can take him out. He is greater than all. Can I get an amen on that? Is God greater than anything you will ever face? I like what John said. He said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater. We need to have a greater mentality of God. And so L.L. El Yon talks about God will rise above everything everything you will ever face. And it says, he who dwells or lives with El Elyon. Meaning, there's a choice of where you get to make your home. Just as we talked about Moses, he chose not to be with the leaders of Egypt. He chose to be with the nation of Israel. There's a choice for you. You get to make your home with him. And when your home is with him, you will find yourself rising above all that may come against you. And so we said that this nature of El Elyon is very much reflected in Jesus. Paul revealed it in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. What did he say? That he has raised up and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father in glory. Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the Father. And the great thing is it says he's raised us up and made us to sit together with him. But that's not all he said. Where is Jesus sitting? Far above. All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but that which is to come also. And so that is the nature of El Elyon at work in Jesus. And you, when you chose to make your life in Jesus, you've been raised up and made to sit together with him. Far above. So what is the lie of the enemy that often comes up? It says that I am under attack. You understand how the words often display what the imagery of what the enemy's trying to do? He wants you to feel like you are under. But you are not under. You are over it all. You look down on and you're like, I'm far above every problem. I'm far above every weight and every hindrance that would try to slow me down. I am far above every sickness. I am far above lack. I'm not going down there. I don't choose to associate with it. I live up here. I've made my home with God. So the enemy wants you to feel like you are under. You remind him where you are. And you remind him of where he is. He is 
under Jesus' feet. It said that he stomped his head. He squished that head. He bruised Jesus' heel. You remind him of where he is when he tries to make you feel like you are something that you are not. You're not under. I go over. And it says he who dwells in the secret place of El Elyon. This is the nature that the enemy tried to attack. When, G when Satan rebelled against heaven, it says... I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. He tried his hardest to get that position. And what did Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning. The second he tried to put himself against God, boom, he hit the ground. And the second that he tries to come against you, you just say, no, in the name of Jesus, and boom, he repeats the process. He may try, but he shall fail. And so when you choose to live in the secret place of El Elyon, it says you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The, the literal word in the Hebrew there is that you will abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. The God who is more than enough. The Almighty God. He's not one who has might and power. He is what might and power get referenced against. He's the one that always goes above and beyond what is needed. And when you choose to live with God, you find yourself in the shadow of protection of Almighty God. And so the chapter begins with a revelation of who God is. And then verse 2, David says, So, because of that, I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, my God, in you will I trust. What are you saying about what's going on in your life right now? Oh, come on. What are you saying about what's going on? What are you saying about God in your life right now? So David declares, if that's what God is, and that's where he calls me to be, that's where I'm going to be. And then he shifts his attention to the listener. And he says, surely he'll deliver you. Come on. David just doesn't leave it with him. He's like, I understand this. And I choose to associate it with you. But surely he'll do it for you. And as he'll do for you, he'll do for you, he'll do for you, he'll do for you. Surely he'll be with you. He's no respecter of persons. But he has that invitation of participation. Surely he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Come on, there are going to be problems that come up in your life. And he will be faithful to deliver you out of them all if you choose to make your home with him. And, and how do we know that? Because Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Amen? Verse 4, he says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. And it says, His truth will be your shield and buckler. His truth. Come on, everybody should say that. His truth. There's a difference between what he knows, what he's declared, what he believes, and what the world believes. The world believes in subject, subjective truth. Oh, you live your truth. Or I know my truth. 
Or, well, that may be your truth, but this is my truth. No, there is no subjective truth. There only is the truth, and it's God's truth. And if he says it's one way, don't say it's the other way. Because that's putting yourself in opposition to God. And we're not to be in opposition with God. We're to be in agreement with God. The Bible says, can two walk together unless they agree? And so if he says it's one way, it doesn't matter who's the one telling you it's the other. They're wrong. I know that's, that's hard for people to say these days. We, but when someone says something stupid about God, you say, no, that's not God. That's not my God. When people start saying, well, it's flu season, it's coming around, you better get prepared. I say, no, I'm not going to prepare to be sick. I'm going to be prepared to be well. Just the same way if when people are saying, well, the economy's getting a little rough, you know, inflation's going through the roof, I'm not going to be preparing to be in lack. I'm going to prepare to be in abundance. I'm going to make preparations to act when other people are trying to hide. And so it says his truth will be your shield and your buckler. Well, we're pretty familiar with what a shield is, right? But do you know what a buckler is? It's also a shield. It's a small shield, right, John? John knows what I'm talking about. The first word, I believe it's the word nisa in the, in the Hebrew, is for a large shield. The word for buckler is for a little shield that goes on your forearm or on your bicep. So that when you're fighting and the little things come, you just kind of do a little block. So it's interesting. His truth will be a form of protection against the big things and against the little. Why is that an important thing that he would put both? Because often when big things are happening in our lives, we're like, I have to deal with this. But when little things are happening, we're like, eh, I can deal, I can put up with it. It's only a little problem. It's only a little setback. No, his truth will see us through big and small. And big or small, I'm going through them all. I'm coming over the other side. I'm not going to put up with the, as the Bible says, the little foxes that spoil the vine. The little things often turn into the big things. And so his truth will protect me from whether they're big or small. It says, I'm not going to be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Meaning there are things happening right now in our world. There are things setting up to happen for we know, what we know is going to happen in the end times. Right. You don't have to be afraid of that. Right. Jesus said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be all these things. We don't have to be moved by that and get into a tissy every time something happens. I don't have to be afraid of the terror by night. As we already said, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The darker it gets, the brighter his word shines before me. I don't have to be afraid of the arrow that flies by day. Why? I got my big short shield and I've got my little shield. And it's called his truth. And his truth is what the word has said. It says, I don't have to be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Does everybody know what pestilence is? Plague. Sickness disease, COVID, RSV, influenza, monkeypox, whatever the heck they want to put a name on, it says, I don't have to be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness. I don't walk in darkness. I walk in light. It says, in him is light, and in him there is no darkness. 
Light dispels darkness. I don't have to be afraid of COVID. You do, use wisdom. You listen to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what do I do? You want me to take that? You want me to do this? You want me to do that? When COVID was starting back in 2020, 20, 2020, only two of them, I sat back and I, as I heard all these Christians being saying this, and I saw the world all saying this, I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? You lead me. You're my, the one that I look to for that. And he gave me some specific things he wanted me to do. And I did them. And that's all I can be responsible for. What did God tell me to do? What did God tell you to do? He knows you. He knows your body. Some say, well, I'm a vulnerable person. He knows what you are. He knows how to keep you in all your ways. So I don't have to be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness. It says this in verse 7. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. That's a lot of people on either side. And so it doesn't matter when they say, well, the majority believes this. I don't even care if it's the minority believes whatever. Minority, majority, I ask, what did God say? They may fall, I won't. It says, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Meaning you're, you'll see things going on around you, but it doesn't have to touch you. Why? Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. This has been an invitation to participation. And what is the barrier of entrance? Lord, I make my home with you. I choose to live with you and dwell with you and rise above it all with you. It doesn't matter what I go through. I will come through the other side. I will rise. It says no evil will befall me, and just in case the first part wasn't enough, no plague will come near your dwelling. We get to speak that over our houses. Some of you live with unbelievers in your house. You can go ahead and speak the blessing over them, and they're like, it's funny, All, everybody else has gotten sick but me. I wonder why that is, and you can say, God. You know, I remember Brother Hagen had a friend who was a diabetic come to stay with him for about a week and as he met him at the door as he was coming he said to him as long as you live in my house health will flow in your body and you're not going to have to take insulin and he went oh that's funny you know i've been taking this since i've been three three years old or whatever it was and he found he could eat whatever he wanted while he was there and his, he kept checking his number he's like i don't understand it i don't need to take any today and brother hagan said as long as you're in my house health will flow I am a ruler of this house, and I am aligned with God, and health is in this dwelling. And he, his friend said, even after he left, it took about a week before he started registering numbers. He's like, oh, I better take some insulin. And he said it took that friend several years before he realized, wait, I can have that here in my house. I can receive health from Jesus who bore every strife. He bore every sickness and disease, every pain, every sorrow, every grief. He put it on his back that he was able to have that in his house. It doesn't have to come near your dwelling. Come on. Why? Because he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up 
lest you even dash your foot against a stone. It says, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, on the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Can you, can you maybe go out and have that call? Thanks. It says, you'll tread upon the lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the serpent you'll trample underfoot. That's because they made their home with Jesus. Now, the best part of all of it is that Jesus, or God, has a response about what you just believed. And this is God's response. He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he's known my name. The name of Jesus being on your lips is greater than everything else. It needs to be on you. What have you said about God? He's saying, because his name was on my lips on his lips says he will call upon me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him and with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation that's God's response because you chose to make your home with him you chose to look to his truth and his strength and his ability and his provision and his protection and so David gives an invitation and I'm going to go ahead and respond and say yes God I'm going going to live with you. I'm going to live in your protection. I'm going to live right where you need me to be, and I'm going to rise above it all. And as the, as the chapter ends, with long life, will you satisfy me and show me your salvation? Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. We know that your word is true. And as it also says, if anybody says anything else, let them be a liar. God, you are true. You are true. Every word you spoke, it shall come to pass. Not one single one of them was void of power, but it will do what it was sent forth to do. And so, Father, we just thank you that today we stand in your protection and your provision. That I don't need to be snared by anything because surely you deliver me from the snare of the fowler. And we thank you for it, Lord. Yes, we do. We thank you for it, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, we glorify your name. Yes, Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah. I declare you are my God. And in you I will trust. So, Father, we just thank you. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. If you need prayer for anything this morning, our word care team is going to be right up here at the front. They would love to believe with you, agree with you, celebrate with you, whatever it is you need. They would love to be a blessing to you. Make, make of yourselves available to them if you need so. Pastor Robin, why don't you wrap us up? Amen. Well, I like that uh, last verse in Psalm 91. With long life will he satisfy me at this stage of my life. The, the only thing that's going to interrupt my long life is going to be the rapture. Amen. I'm getting taken out of here. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Glory be to God. It is offering time. And so there's, there's several ways you can give. You can give with an envelope in front of, the, in front of you there. You can go to the wordchurch.ca backward slash give. 
and uh, that works as well. We appreciate that. And let's say this confession together um, to release our faith. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best. I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You didn't happen to have the one I asked for, right? As our tithes of offerings? <laughs> okay. That works too. Amen. And you are blessed. God bless you.